Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. What a week. President Bush, Bush 41, died. Uh, there was a G20 held, held in Buenos Aires. Uh, China and the United States and their tariff war agreed to a 90-day delay. Sanctions enforced at the present time will remain enforced. No new sanctions, however. And Putin and the prince from Saudi Arabia on international television gave each other a high five and joked around at the conference in Buenos Aires while 40 or 50 feet away, President Trump was sitting all alone. So let's start with the loss of President George H.W. Bush. We lost one of our better presidents. He was. History will remember him as a great leader. The character of the man first became evident during World War II. He was 18 years old when Pearl Harbor was bombed on his way to Yale University. Instead, he opted for the United States Navy. Bush became the youngest commissioned aviator in Navy history. He had 126 carrier landings, 58 missions, and was shot down twice. Politically a Republican, in the mold of Barry Goldwater, very conservative. Elected to Congress, he voted the Republican line, with a significant exception. He supported Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, believing it provided, and I quote, a better life for all. Bush ran twice for the United States Senate. He was defeated each time. By age 46, advancing politically did not look promising. Never did he think he would be president. Undaunted, however, he went on to become ambassador to the United Nations, chairman of the Republican National Committee, chief envoy to China, CIA director, vice president, and president. Bush was a one-term president. Clinton defeated him. While running for president the first time, the country was in rough shape economically. Bush promised during the campaign, no new taxes. His famous words, and I quote, I can see him, I watched it on television when I was younger, read my lips, no new taxes. I repeat, Read my lips, no new taxes. The words came back to choke him. While president, he supported a tax raise. It was the right thing to do, but being a politician, he shouldn't have done it. Being a good man, he did do it. The people, however, neither forgot nor forgave him, and that was the primary reason for his defeat. Clinton's dynamism, though, was another reason, an entertaining candidate a distinct contrast with the soft-spoken, gentlemanly Bush. I voted for Bush. I know I'm a liberal Democrat, but I do occasionally vote for a Republican. In fact, many times you'd be surprised. Bush's character motivated me. I thought Clinton was lacking in that regard. He, he was too young. He, he didn't seem to evidence type of character that Bush did. He was governor of a small state. Again, he lacked experience, I thought. And he tended to joke around a lot uh, while he was in the debates and so forth. There was a type of seriousness, seriousness lacking. So I voted for Bush.
During his four years in the White House, the Berlin Wall came down. I'm talking about Bush now. Bush was extremely helpful in molding the new Berlin and Germany. Operation Desert Storm also occurred during his command, an act of military brilliance. He forced Hussein out of Kuwait. Bush put together a coalition of 28 countries. They all showed up to fight at the same time with the United States being the leader of the assault. The war was over in 100 hours. Can you imagine 100 hours and Bush had put that team together? Two sons of his achieved political prominence. Son George W. Bush became president. Son Jeb Bush, governor of Florida, and unsuccessful candidate for the 2016 Republican nomination. The moving force behind Bush had to be his wife, Barbara, of 73 years, rather. A forceful, straightforward woman. She died several months ago. The nation will, we will truly mourn his loss tomorrow when he's buried in Washington. Uh, we have been feeling his loss the last few days. I've got to say, yesterday I shed a couple of tears. It was just so moving watching watching it. And the, the, the tributes and the love, everything that was being expressed about this man, all genuine. Uh, and tomorrow, uh, when he is buried, uh, when, he, when he has his church ceremony, and then is flown out to be buried, respect will be all over the place once again for him. So that's the story of a, a good man, a good president. Uh, we're going to have more like him. Trump does not equal him in any fashion. Uh, I hope we don't have another Trump at any time. Uh, I hope we have an, another Bush along the way. The country certainly at this stage of the game needs one. Moving on, we go to, I'm going to stay with Bush for a moment. I live in Key West, as you all well know. Uh now, Bush was a frequent visitor to the Florida Keys. He was a fisherman. Uh, he used to go to Almorada, maybe. Oof, what's Almorada? About an hour and a half up the road, okay, up US 1, north of Key West. He used to stay at Chica Lodge. He went several times before, during, and after he was president. One, one of his greatest experiences, he said, was when he hooked and caught, reined in. I 135-pound tarpon, a 135-pound tarpon. That's a large, large, large sport fish, let me tell you. It was a 45-minute battle. He was 84 years old at the time. He was so proud, he said, and I quote, it was the thrill of a lifetime. You know, it was a great fighting fish, and I felt terrific catching it. God bless him. I want to talk about another president for a moment, Harry Truman, also a fan of the Florida Keys, especially Key West. Uh, this is something I didn't know about Truman. I came across it the other day, and I, I want to share it with you. Uh, uh, it was 1905, 1905. Uh, they were forming a Battery B of the Missouri National Guard. Battery B of the Missouri National Guard, and Truman wanted to be a part of Battery B. He wanted to join the National Guard. Now, his problem was he had very poor eyesight. I mean, the man was close to being blind as a bat without glasses. This is funny, this story, but it's true. Uh, what did he do? He knew he had to take a physical. He knew part of the physical was an eye examination. So uh, 
he memorized the entire eye chart. He memorized that eye chart. Can you imagine? Line seven, line five, this letter, that letter. And he passed the test. He passed his eye test. And he was brought into, in 1905, Battery B of the Missouri National Guard as a private in the light artillery. By the time World War I came around, he was a captain in the light artillery. He stayed in that type military service for 37 years in the National Guard, or as they called it then, the United States Army Officers Reserve Corps. And when he retired from the United States Army Officers Reserve Corps, he retired as a colonel. Interesting story. The guy cheated to get in the Army, didn't hurt anybody, did a hell of a job, had to be a terrific man, ended up president of the United States. Key West loves Harry Truman. You have no idea. He's all over this town. He's as popular as Ernest Hemingway when it comes to Key West. And we all love him, and he loved Key West. God bless the man. Which now brings me to something very interesting. Now, our government, excuse the way I'm going to put it, pisses money away. Uh, the largest, the biggest part of our budget, the government's budget, is the military. Okay, very big. And there's a problem. They don't try balancing their books. They don't audit their own books. They have gone decades without doing a total audit of the Department of Defense and or called, referred to as the Pentagon. Would you believe that? Now, they realized that they had a 20, listen to this, $21 million, trillion dollar, no, I'm sorry, $21 trillion that they could not trace. The government couldn't trace $21 trillion, uh, okay? They, they, it wasn't documented. It couldn't be traced. It couldn't be explained. So they called in the big-time accountants, CPAs, Ernst & Young, okay, to do an individual audit of the uh, Pentagon's budget. Actually, Congress called them in because Congress is responsible for how our money is spent. Uh, well, Ernst & Young came back with their report on November 15th, just two weeks ago or a few days more than two weeks ago. They said, we can't complete we can't complete our audit. Uh, there are too many bookkeeping deficiencies, irregularities, and errors. Bookkeeping deficiencies, irregularities, and errors. And we can't turn out a, re a reliable audit. Now, you have to understand, understand that two out of three, every federal dollar, tax dollar collected, two out of three, every federal tax dollar collected, goes to the Pentagon, and they can't find $21 trillion, and Ernst & Young, the big guys in the business of auditing, can't do it either. It's, the books are all screwed up, haven't been done for more than 30 years. Uh, guess what the Pentagon said, the Department of Defense, okay? It's not our fault. It's Ernst & Young's fault. They're the experts. They should be able to do the audit. We shouldn't be blamed because the books don't balance or anything else. They haven't done their job. Now, here's what Lewis says. When you got $21 trillion you cannot account for, somebody's been grabbing money somewhere over the years. 
All right. So there's graft. There's graft probably in the government side in Washington, graft in the military. Uh, for example, I can't understand why the Afghan war has been going on 17 years. I attribute it to the heroin business out there. Everybody's got to be eating from the Afghans to the farmers to the warlords to some of our military. And don't forget what's happening. Over 100 people a day die from heroin addiction, from heroin produced in Afghanistan. Absolutely disgraceful. Uh, it seems like our military, where all the money they have and all the money they piss away, are doing a lousy job of accounting, and they shouldn't. I mean, we don't have enough money to take care of, as I'm going to talk in a few moments, our hurricanes, our earthquakes, and everything else, but yet we can lose $21 trillion from a budget that hasn't been audited in decades with the military. I want to talk about another, what seems to me is a waste of money. It just seems like an abuse of position. I'm going to talk about Donald Trump now and the rental of golf carts, golf cart rental, the cost of golf cart rentals. Trump owns two private clubs, golf clubs, one in New Jersey, one in Florida. We know this. He's at both of them all the time. He has played more golf annually than any other president in the history of the United States. And I laugh as I share this with you. You probably already know it. Only because during the campaign, he was saying how terrible Obama was. All he did was play golf. Obama doesn't come close to playing golf as much as Donald Trump does. Anyhow, when he goes out to play golf, he's using the golf carts that he his club owns, and he owns the club. Are you with me? Uh, but he still charges the government because he's using that cart, that golf cart that day. His own club, his own business, he doesn't give the taxpayers a break. He has it charged to his account, which is paid for by the government of the United States with our tax dollars. To make it even worse, you have to understand, we cannot send the president of the United States out, and I'm serious about this, without Secret Service out there with him. I, recall, I can recall back when Quayle was vice president, I was playing golf in Tampa with friends, and all of a sudden we saw several uh, golf carts, and each one were two guys in black suits, white shirts, and black ties, telephones in their hands. In those days, the phones were big, the portable phones. And what were they doing? They were protecting. They were protecting Vice President Quayle because we were a couple of holes away, but every now and then we were alongside of him. And I didn't realize at the time, but the government pays for the carts because the carts for Donald Trump, the carts for the Secret Service have cost the government of the United States so far this year alone, are you ready for this, $137,505, and this is only up till October 5th. The first 10 years of this, I'm sorry, the first 10 months of this year, we spent $137,505 to pay for the rental of golf carts used by Trump and the Secret Service. A lot of money. I don't even know what the hell they charge per card. I I can't figure it out because I don't know how many Secret Service men are running around. That's a lot of money. Uh, Give us a break someplace, Donald. We know he charged, you know. The Secret Service had to move out of Trump Tower in New York City last year. They were, they had quarters there, one or two floors below uh, Trump's offices on the top floor, because Trump wanted what the government considered excessive rent. 
he finally served an eviction letter on the Secret Service, the President of the United States. So they had to go out in the street, and they got some kind of a, what would you call it, a trailer or something they were working out of till they rented property some other quarters a block or two away. The guy's a pig. The guy's an absolute total pig. Uh, now, I'm going to stay with Donald Trump for a little bit here. Um, I want to talk about the migrants at the border, Tijuana, because Bo- Trump closed down the border. Remember, was it last week, 10 days ago? I don't know. So let's start this way. He's treating, this is what Lewis says, the migrants like animals, okay? Not people, animals. Husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, children, big children, little children, babies. You recall, most of them are seeking asylum. When you seek asylum and you're, you're trying to get into the United States, the United States will allow you in. They don't close their door to you. You come in and you immediately go before some kind of a hearing officer or judge. You fill out the paperwork saying, I want asylum and these are my grounds. And then... After the interview and submission of those papers, and most of them have their papers prepared before they even hit the border, okay, they are given an adjourned date to appear before a judge for a hearing, which generally takes two years because we spend money on bringing, what, 5,900 soldiers down there and everything else, but we don't spend money on additional judges, additional court space, additional courtrooms, additional U.S. attorneys. So they don't only have to wait two weeks for a hearing, and we wouldn't have this big old backlog and people disappearing all over the country. Be that as it may. So now these people are stuck in Tijuana. They can't get across the border because Trump has closed the border. Right now, right now there are 6,000 people who are in Tijuana and the Tijuana area that cannot get through the border into the United States because Trump has closed the border. He said, let Mexico deal with these people. <laughs> let them do their paperwork there. We'll, have, we'll do something. We'll look at the paperwork. But we're not going to let them in until they're approved. Now, I don't know how you approve them if you don't give them a hearing in front of a judge in the United States, as the law says. A very slow process in itself, probably more than two years. Now, Tijuana's mayor said, we're getting killed here economically. We don't have a budget to take care of 6,000 people. He said that in the first six hours, six hours, that these migrants started showing up a couple of weeks ago in mass, Tijuana spent 129 million pesos. Now, I don't know what 129 million pesos is in American dollars, but it sounds like a lot of money to me. And he said, we can't go on doing this. We don't have the money. Now, what's happening? You see it on television. If you don't start looking, look at the Internet, too. There are videos. There are pictures of how these people are living. They're living like pigs. They're living in garbage. They're living in their own shit. There aren't enough places for them to go to the bathroom. There's not not enough water or places for them to wash. There's not enough food or water. Uh, People are getting sick. They got to get sick in this atmosphere, okay? Now, so far the records indicate that of the 6,000, over one-third of them, over one-third of them, I believe the number is something like 2,200, are being treated medically down there. And why are they being traded medically? And by the way, who's paying for this? Mexico. <laughs> this is, uh, Trump's terrific. 
They're being treated, though, and this should not happen to anyone, not to these people. They're seeking a better way. They're being treated for TB, HIV, AIDS, chickenpox, lice. Can you imagine lice crawling up and down your body? I can visualize it by just looking at the pictures I saw on the Internet. They must have all kinds of crap running up and down their bodies, and they have all kinds of skin infections. Thank you, Donald Trump, for your great act of humanity in closing that border so you could protect us here in the United States. It's wrong. Totally, absolutely wrong. Want to talk now? And I'm staying with Donald Trump here. I want to talk about the Alaskan earthquake. What was it, last week the earthquake occurred? It's a 7.0. That's a biggie, 7.0. Trump immediately said, this is an emergency. He went on television with the head of FEMA, and he says, I am declaring an emergency situation. Big man. And so this is so FEMA and the Department of, Health, of Homeland Security could act. This was last Friday that started. In Anchorage, near Anchorage, this, this earthquake occurred. Total devastation like a hurricane went through. And he said, the president, and I quote, your federal government will spare no expense. Your federal government will spare no expense. I remember when he said, with regard to Puerto Rico, we have enough money. I remember when he said, with regard to Michael, don't worry, there's enough money. It's bullshit. The problem is there isn't enough money for these natural disasters anymore. We're having too many of them. And the government over the years, they're prepared, they say, because we got FEMA. We're well trained, but they don't have the money. They took, they took money for disasters and spent it on the war in Afghanistan and other things. And the government's strange. You know, they can borrow money from one pot and put it in another, and they never pay it back. <laughs> if you and I borrow, we got to pay it back. The government never pays back the money they borrow from one agency and give to another. So there isn't enough money for these disasters. You know, you say Puerto Rico was because of the color situation. I agree. But it also was because there wasn't enough money to do the job. Irma came. I was here for Irma. I know. I wrote a book on it, the only book on Irma, Irma and Me. You can buy it at Amazon.com. Interesting reading about how the hurricane affected us here. Again, the only book on Irma. But with Irma, here it is more than a year later, all right, and the federal government owes the state of Florida, the counties in this state, billions of dollars because they haven't finished paying the tab. See, the way it works is the government can't come up with all that money at one time, so they tell the state, they tell the counties, you go to the bank and borrow the money. We'll guarantee it. Don't worry about it. So the state went and borrowed the money. you got to go. you got to help the people. I mean, you gotta, you got to help them rebuild. you got to get them food. you got to get them water. you got to get them toilets. you got to get them showers, places to wash, or they get lice. And they haven't paid it back. <laughs> Trump has not paid it back. And I don't know when the hell he's going to pay it back because he hasn't got it. Now came Michael, third worst hurricane in recorded history in the United States. This is the panhandle of Florida, Georgia, and part of the Carolinas. The panhandle of Florida hurt very bad. Georgia next bad, so bad. Uh, one town, Paradise, completely demolished. Not one building left standing. And I saw Trump on TV again with his FEMA head sitting there saying, don't worry, we're going to take care of it. We got the money. We know what we've got to do. Do you hear anything about Michael? Michael occurred October 10th. 
uh, just a few days short of two months ago. You don't read about it. And the reason you don't read about it is because the government isn't doing anything up there, or what they're doing is so little it amounts to nothing. So they have nothing to brag about, because if they were doing something, don't you think they'd be yelling and screaming their politicians, look how good we're doing. And these people are still hurting up there. We have people still in the Keys here living in tents, living in shacks. Are you with me? And don't have toilets, because there hasn't been enough money to help them rebuild. It's absolutely disgraceful. Now, now comes this earthquake. God bless America. Uh, this earthquake isn't going to have enough money to help it recover, because that's the way it is. Uh, and nobody's opening, facing the situation up front, admitting it, let's do something, let's go back to Congress, get money, because it will be very embarrassing just because of the money in the last two years that Trump has pissed away and taken out of that account. That's that story. Now, our dear president was in, where was our dear president? He was in Buenos Aires last week for the G20 meeting. It was absolutely amazing. I watched this on TV. I, I'm a political, um, I'm just, a, I love politics. A uh, number of things happened. I remember Trump came in. They have a big round table for the 90 presidents. Nobody was talking to Donald Trump. He went and sat in his chair. There were probably 30 or 20 chairs on each side of him empty. But on the other side, and this was when Trump walked in, these, uh, these people had just come in to sit down, sitting next to each other is Putin and the prince from Saudi Arabia. And you saw it. What's the first thing these two guys did? They high-fived each other. They pushed each other, and they laughed, and they giggled, and they sat down and joked around. And finally, there was Trump in his seat with no one around him facing straight ahead. He was basically ignored. The man was basically ignored ignored because no one likes him, and no one trusts him. He's doing nothing but screw up the world. In any event, he sat down with China. Because we were in a tariff war with China that is, is dangerous to both of us, both countries, and could lead in a very short period of time, in less than a year, to a worldwide recession. Well, China and the United States agreed to ex extend the time uh, for any further sanctions, 90 days. They will do nothing. Any sanctions in place will remain, but none of the new ones, which would go into effect Jan this Monday, this past Monday, yesterday, which would have been devastating. Okay? Trump. He comes out and says, oh, we sat down with China. We came to an agreement. We're going to get together. We're going to work this out. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And what? China says none of this happened the way he said. We've agreed to a 90-day delay extension, but we didn't agree on anything. Kudlow, a member of the president's uh, White House team, uh, the economist, he went on national TV and said Trump was wrong in what he said that China had agreed to this, this, and this. China agreed to shit. They just said, we agreed to a 90-day extension. We'll have to talk. This is what Trump does. He creates the problem. He creates a crisis. Then he gets involved. He threatens the hell out of the other side. Then he sees how bad it's working for the United States. And we're getting killed with this China war. Just our soybean, wheat, and corn farmers are getting killed. Our auto manufacturers are getting killed. We're heading for a recession, I'm telling you. This coming year, early, we're, we could have a recession. And if it goes, it's going to be a worldwide one before it's over. The market dropped 799 points today. You can't live with a market that's radical. It goes up and down every other day, almost 1,000 points. There's no confidence in the economy, no confidence in the market. Now, remember during the campaign, well, first of all, Trump said, following uh, this meeting with China in Buenos Aires, 
I am a tariff man, which means he considers himself an expert when it comes to how you manipulate and use the tariff. Bullshit, okay? Remember during the campaign, he said, and I quote, make America great again. Well, yesterday and today, he's come up with a new slogan. Not make America great again. This one, this new one is make America rich again. Make America rich again. We didn't have to get rich. We were already rich. He's affecting, you know, they say, oh, the economy's great under him. Look how high the market is. The market isn't the only test, and we're finding out now the market isn't that great. Uh, he's killing our economy, all right? And now he's going to make us rich again. I do not understand this man, okay? We have a new Cold War developing with China that could last 20 or 30 years, which we don't need and never would have had if this bullshit tariff thing had not come into Trump's mind. Okay. That's my show. That's my show for this week. Uh, Sorry if I got a little excited. These things do bother me, and I know they bother you, and if they don't, I want them to bother you, and perhaps that's why I get excited. Um, Listen to my show, Key West Lou, uh, on Facebook. I do a little three- or four-minute thing every day on Facebook, Key West Lou Live. I take one of these issues, and I rant and rave like I'm ranting now. The book I wrote, Irma and Me, last year, Buy it for a Christmas present, $14.95, Amazon.com. It's a paperback. Use it for a stocking stuffer. It's a great Christmas present because it's a great story, not because I wrote it. It's an actual day-by-day, fact-by-fact, how the hurricane affected me and my friends. Other than that, it's been terrific talking with you again tonight. I look forward to being with you again next week.